Amen. You can go ahead and sit down. Doesn't everybody look great in their red today? <laughs> so do you. Thank you. You too. <laughs> you know what I like about um, wearing the red is if we wear it on Valentine's Day not because our heart is red, but we, we wear it because red is the color of the blood that the Lord shed for us out of his love for us. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, if you haven't guessed, Alana's going to speak today, and I'm just here to <laughs> here to hold her up, you know, lift her up in prayer while she speaks. She always tells me whenever we go to the to any of our meetings that we're doing, whether it be prayer, whether it be uh, me teaching, and she's with me, she says, "You're going to have to do it, hon." And I said, "What do you mean?" She goes, "I got nothing." I'm like, "But I wrote a whole bunch of stuff, you know." But, you know, when it's just amazing when we get into God's presence, how much he just pours into you. And that's what we, our prayer always is, is that we're in his presence, amen, that God would just pour into us. And we pray that today you can receive it. Well, the title of my message today is, What's Love Got to Do With It? Amen. What's Love Got to Do With It? Now, for you boomers, you know what I'm going to talk about. For you millennials, you might not. But, um... Tina Turner, singers, according to her, what's love but a secondhand emotion? You know, that's, that's what she said. And then she declared, what's love, what's love got to do with it? Come on, sing it, honey. Yeah. <laughs> I tried. And, and then she said, she said, who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? That's what Tina's words were. And what is sad is that's the way a lot of people feel about love. You know, they don't take care of it. They don't nurture their love. They don't build on it so that their hearts are not being broken through all that goes on in the world. And as we know, there's a lot going on in our world today. Um, plenty to break your heart if it wasn't for God. You know, we were reading the Bible the other day and it just said, it said, but God. And I'm like, I could just stop right there. But God, you know, but God, man, when he intervenes, when God steps in, but God, you know, we would all be wandering in the wilderness and out on the streets today, but God, amen. And it's good to see some faces we haven't seen in a while. We're glad that you're here with us today. And I just know that, that, but God, we wouldn't be here. I know that three day weekend, a lot of people are out of town, but uh, we need God. Amen. We need to look to Jesus and not Tina Turner for what love is, amen? Not look at the world for what love is, but look to God for what love is. You know, um, as with everything, you know, we need to look to Jesus, not Tina, but God, but God. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse eight, Bobby tells us this, he says, love never fails. Love, everybody say love never fails. Love never, never fails, amen? So love has everything to do with it. Everything that you do, everything that you're saying has to do with love. Now, but what is love? What has love got to do with it in our lives? You know, because I believe that the love of God is for this life now in this and eternal life, amen? amen. His love for God, so what? Love. love. Amen. God so love. And who, he didn't love the, the land, I mean, I'm sure he loved what is created, but he loves you. You're the world. You're his objection, object of love. He loves you so much. So we need to learn how to love because 
when we first got married, I wasn't real good at it. Neither was I. <laughs> True. And, uh, you know, when we first got married, we, we, if 20 minutes in a room, we'd be in a fight, you know. That's how it was the first six years, ten, ten years. I'm having a little grace on myself, <laughs> like him. <laughs> so, you know, but we need to learn to love and get, get it down in our lives so that we're lining up with God and not with a broken heart. Amen. You know, what? Um, the scripture that I read out of Psalms 34 today, it says, it says, it's not in my notes, so I've got to look for a second here. Oh. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. The Lord is near. And you're, maybe your heart's been broken. Maybe you've been through some tough times to break in heart, have, that have caused a broken heart. But I know this, our Redeemer lives, amen? And God can turn that situation around even as we've already prayed. But we've got to learn to love God's way. You know, because Delonda, he says, you, you can speak in tongues. You can be so gifted. You know, you can have this great faith. You can give all that you have to the poor. You know, but if you don't have love, it doesn't mean anything. It means nothing. It's just dead. And it's, it's, it's you know, because I, I think about all that, even as a church, you know, um, just yesterday, I think we fed 91 families food yesterday. You know, we have, yeah, amen. We have such great servants that, that go there and they pick up food six days a week and they serve the community and they hand out all that food. A half of the people that serve don't even come to our church, but they're a great team that works together and they're, they're getting it done and, and we give food to other ministries to help them. And it's just amazing. But, you know, if it wasn't for the love, the love for the people, we wouldn't do it. And I, I know, you know, I go out there and I, I walk every car and I tell them, Jesus loves you and we're praying for you. Jesus loves you because it's all about him. Amen. And, and, but if we do all that and we don't love the people, you know, it, it's not going to matter. You know, we, we've been done, we've done a lot in Africa. If we didn't have a heart for missions and for people being saved and building the kingdom of God, it, it's going to mean nothing. When, when we, when we get to heaven and we stand before the Lord, he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And I'm like, Oh, I don't want to hear that. In Matthew chapter seven, verse 21, it, it says this, it says, not everyone says to me, um, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name, in, in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? You know, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. You know, when I read that, these are words I do not ever want to hear. I don't ever want to hear. I don't want to hear him here on earth. I don't want to hear him in heaven. I don't want him to cast me away. Amen. So if you, if you heard what I said, though, as I read that, doing the will of God is the key to it. Doing God's will. And so that would mean that we have to love him and love each other. We don't have any options on that. We have to love each other. You can't, you can't say, I love God and hate you because then the love of God's not in you. You can't, you can't even 
talk, we shouldn't even talk that way, amen? But we have to put love in its right place, amen? Um, so, but what, do you, what, do you, what does that say to you, Delanda, when you, you got to put love in the right place, huh? What does that mean to you? What it means is that we have to love God's way. And we're so raised on loving our way. We think if we feel the flutters and the attraction, like Ron and I felt when we got together, um, we soon Don't realized about all that. We soon realized it was it was lust in play. It was attraction in play. It wasn't love. Trust me, it was not love. We didn't know how to be friends. We didn't know how to display the love that that God has told us and shown us how to love with his word by love is patient. See, he's labeling it. Love is. And then he goes on to list what love is. And I am I can tell on myself that I was not there. I wanted it my way. Most of our arguments was I wanted him to see things my way. I wanted him to understand where I was feeling. And he wanted me to understand. And it was worlds apart. Like we're different. Most of us. Yeah, we're so different, like night and day. And, you know, when we were dating, we used to talk about stuff, but, you know, beware because we'd say, oh, yeah, I love to go camp. Oh, me too. I love to go camping. But when he goes camping, he takes a T-shirt, maybe a sleeping bag and a fishing pole. When I go camping, it's not camping, it's glamping. <laughs> he became a master packer because we had to fit it in the car. And it was just, I mean, we camped completely different. So the fight was on. So for the first hour of driving, we didn't even talk to each other. And most of the time I'm thinking, why are we even going? Because I hate you right now. You know? See, there it is. <laughs> and it's like, you know, so we didn't know how to get along. And we had a lot of things that we liked to do. But everything that we liked to do, we did differently. And love is being patient with one another. Love is long suffering sometimes. Um, not with me though. Never. <laughs> love is not always getting your but way. You know, there's a lot of things I love. I mean, I, I love tacos. I love ice cream. I love a good steak. I told him, I said, we need to stop putting our love and making it a label because we, we label things love. And guess what? Those things that we love, it didn't require anything of us. We just got our way. We just got to have it. You know See, what? love requires when, something. When I, when I think about loving tacos, loving a good steak, which I'm going to have today, <laughs> <laughs> all that stuff turns to dung. What are you loving that's just fading away? I mean, I know our physical being is going to fade away, but... You know, when we really love God and we love people, you know, we're going to be together for eternity. And, and it's amazing to me how even in the church, we can not love each other and then expect to spend eternity together. You know, Ron, a lady came uh, a few weeks ago and she asked me, is it true that Valerie Kopskoff is gone? Is she dead? And I said, yes. And she broke down, just sobbing. And she goes, I, I can't believe she's gone. She touched my life in so many ways. She loved me. She taught me. And, you know, our love has eternal consequences. 
And I just was so excited at that moment because I thought, oh, Lord, you're watching. And she's going to get accounted for that love, for the, the love that she's shown. And Amen. so it's accounted. So love, what we do here, isn't just temporal. It's eternal. Amen. Well, you know, if we're going to declare our love for things, what else do we declare our love for? You know, we've got to be very careful. We use the word love so loosely. You know, I love my house, or I love my dog, I love my cat. You know, and I'm sure there's a lot of lovers of dogs and cats here today and don't want to step on your toes. Ask me about my theory about that, and I'll tell you. Ask me. No. No. Blonda <laughs> doesn't want me to offend anybody. So, <laughs> and I don't mean to be offensive. It's, I'm going to stop. So what is the answer? We need to learn how to love. Amen? We really need to learn how to love. So, Delana, you want to read this, how to love? It says in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Keep going. Turn the page. I should have a cool tablet, right? You should have a cool tablet. You have one. <laughs> Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. Love never fails. Amen. Why don't you pray for us this morning, hon? Lord, I just pray right now that what we're trying to teach is straight from your word and that you would open people's hearts today to hear it differently, that your word would go out and, and bear much fruit. Lord, we just ask that you would help us to open our hearts and our ears to understand really, truly, even if we've not been shown how to love and how you want us to live. And we thank you, God, for being such an amazing, perfect example of how to live. And thank you, Lord, for loving me and chasing me, molding me and shaping me, never letting me go. Us. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, Delana, when I, when I read that passage, it, it, it talks a lot about what love is not talks about what love is and what it is not. The do's, he gives us a list. The do's of love are love is patient, love is kind, rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And then the don'ts of love is it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others. Amen. It's not self-seeking, Yeah, next slide. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not. Everybody say, does not. not. Delight in evil. You know, I asked you that question. I go, so explain that to me. Not that I don't know, but I wanted to hear how he wanted to explain it. Go. Well, you don't rejoice when bad things happen to people. What do we watch on TV, which I am just so over? Revenge, isn't it? 
I mean, I've watched certain movies that I found myself going, nail him to the anthill. You know, and and I'm like, oh my gosh, did that just come out of me? And it's like, what's the stuff that you watch sometimes, you know? And I watch a lot of Western, so it was nail him to the anthill. But it was just, I mean, how our love is so not there when somebody does wrong, you know, I, I've heard people do the, um, play the, play the role of, well, if somebody harmed my family, I'm going to get a gun and chase them down. And I'm going to kill them. And Ron and I love to go shooting, but I, Ooh, I won't, uh, <laughs> I won't, I won't shoot at anything but a target in the desert. You know, I don't want to kill even an ant, let alone anything else. And they're like, well, what would you do if you were faced in danger? I said, I would say, stop in the name of Jesus. I've had so many dreams where the devil was throwing darts at me and I just put my hand out and said, stop. And he stopped. I was walking along a shoreline and beautiful water in the lake, beautiful mountains and trees to the other side. And I'm walking on the shore, taking in all this beauty. And all of a sudden in the distance, there's this huge grizzly bear just, you know, this is digging, a dream, by the way. digging in the sand and... All of us, and I'm an animal lover. And all of a sudden, he catches my eye, and I catch, and I catch his, and I'm we're staring at each other. And I'm like, I have no place to run, nowhere to go. And I'm watching him, and he starts charging at me. And you could see his fur and his bulk just going and charging, and it was huge bear. And it got to about where Jeanette is for me. And I just was in awe at this beauty, but. I went and I put my hand out and I said, stop. And he skidded, skidded to a halt and dirt and rocks were flying in the air and a cloud of dust. And then I just put my hand out and he came and he licked my hand and I woke up. <laughs> but it was the Lord showing me that I have the authority over evil coming against me, no matter what it is. Amen. And we don't have to attack with revenge. That's just one part that really touches my heart is that <clears throat> revenge is so ugly. Yes. Only God has that right to judge and only he has that right to revenge. How, how many know that even before you started walking with the Lord, God saved your life at times? You know, I, I just you're talking about the bear. My mom, when she was 16 years old, my mom was raised in a convent, but she moved to California and, and she um, was camping in California in a sleeping bag on the open ground and woke up with a black bear standing over her, breathing in her face. Said, what'd you, what'd you do, mom? She goes, well, I really wanted to hug it. <laughs> but that black bear just walked away, but he was standing on all fours right over the top of her. And it just, you know, my mom was so protected by the Lord and in all her life, I can see how God protected her in so many things. So, but let's take a, a few minutes, Delanda, and let's look at these do's. You know, um, and we'll start with love is patient. How many of you are patient? We need a little work today. <laughs> Love is patient, you know, and patience is connected to our faith. I didn't see what was going on over here. 
you know, I told Ron because um, I said patience is connected to our faith because the things that we are impatient about means that we don't have trust. means that we don't have trust. And if we don't have trust, how can we walk in faith? Mm. That's why. And not, not having patience means, you know, that you don't mind offending people. That you're selfish and you want what you want when you want it. Just think about it for a minute. That's that's not having patience. Well, they even have a logo for a hamburger joint for that. Make it your way. Yeah, your way. <laughs> so, you, you, what you're saying when we're impatient, what we're saying is what you want is more important than anybody else. How many of you have been driving down the freeway and that car comes zooming past you and you think, you know, there's an accident waiting to happen, you know, because they're just flying down that road because they're, they're, what they have to do is more important than anybody else, even your life. And they cause accidents and stuff. And I see people driving like that all the time, you know. It's like, get off the road, move. You know, how many times you say that or you hear people say that and it's like your agenda is the only one that counts. And I've seen so many people running red lights these days. I don't just, if I'm at the front, I don't take off right away. I wait. Because I've seen, and I've probably done it a few times, I'm not going to lie, ran that red light. <laughs> you know, or it turned red in the middle, you know. you got to be careful when you're taking off. So I'm slow. Because people these days are not very patient. Not very patient. Even in the food ministry out here yesterday, there was a lady driving a big excursion. You know, and those are gas hogs. And so she was letting the cars pull up a little bit in front of her before she would start that thing up and pull up. Well, somebody was honking and honking, and he finally got out of her, his car, and he came over and told her to, to move up, you know? <laughs> so when I got to her, I said, I can imagine it probably takes a gallon of gas just to start this thing. You're okay. Don't let them bother you, you know? <laughs> because, you know, we're so impatient, even though... You're going to get there. You're going to get there at the same time. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you're sitting in the back. It, it just doesn't matter. But we, that, that spirit of impatience comes on us, and we, we end up doing things and saying things that we don't really want to do. I wonder who's in control of that, that impatience, that spirit. Yeah. Getting us to lose our cool, causing road rage. And, and you know, but what it comes down to, what, Really, we're the most impatient with the people we love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we are because we're tired and we take advantage of the fact that um, they're going to love us, hopefully, and put up with us in our bad attitudes, you know? I mean, we do that. Well, you know, when you, when you go to work and, you, and you, you ha you're impatient but you go to work, and you have to control yourself because you can't say anything because you'll get in trouble if you say anything, you know. So you hold it in, you hold it in, you hold it in. And then when you get home and a minute of impatience pops up, it's like, Bleh! on the family, you know. And, uh, you know, for me, I'm like, I'm the kind of person that 10 minutes early is okay. If you're a half hour early, you're on time, you know. And so... Delanda's the kind of person, if she's 10 minutes late, she's right on time, you know. I used to be that way. I'm still trying. Work in progress. I'm trying. So that's all, that was always our fight when we were, you know, younger. Now, I, I just don't care. You know, you get here when you get here. I'm not going to 
because we got two cars. <laughs> there were times where we were driving from Lake Matthews and he had to leave when I left and I had two little ones I'm trying to get ready and it's at least a 25 minute drive. I mean, if there's no lights <laughs> and yeah, it wasn't pretty. So I would always get mad. By the time we got to church, she wouldn't hold my hand. She wouldn't walk in with me, you know, and uh, it was, it was a mess. And, and so the Lord told me that I was the problem. I'm like, Lord, she's always late. How am I the problem? He said, you could help. I'm like, oh. So I, instead of laying in bed to the last minute, trying to get that last minute of sleep, I started getting up, making breakfast. I, I learned how to do my girl's hair. He was really good at doing my girl's long hair. Taking hot rollers out, crimping when the crimping style was in. And I ironed our clothes. I ironed all our clothes that needed to be done. So instead of being fighting and contending, we worked at working on the issue instead of allowing the issue to control us. I mean, we overtook the issue. Because when it comes to people that you love, you tend to treat the worst because, I don't know, it's a safety factor that they're not going to go away. They're going to stay with you. And so you tend to just treat them the worst, you know. I remember when, um, I, and this goes for kids and parents too, because I remember when um, the girls were little and they would get in trouble and they did something they knew was wrong. And I would call them on it and discipline them, just verbally even, and they would get so, like, attitude -y. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 that does not work with me. You broke the rules. I love you enough to call you on it so that when you grow up and look in the mirror, you like what's looking back at you, and you're going to give me attitude. Oh, no, sit right next to me. And they're just like, <sighs> they just wanted to be sent to their room to get away from me. I made them sit right next to me. And before you knew it, a couple of minutes went by, and they were hugging my arm. And it was like, yeah, that's better. Don't punish me. <laughs> but it's like, we do that. As kids to parents, we punish them, you know, and know that they have to love us. And we do that with each other. I'd put the girls on restriction and Glonda says, why are you punishing me? I said, how am I punishing you? Well, you know, you tell them they can't have TV or whatever, and then I can't watch TV. <laughs> so when I would discipline the girls, I was punishing her too. But, you know, we, we don't like to ask for patience, though. Um, we're afraid of what we might go through if we ask for patience. Because, you know, we, we read in James, and I'm going to go there with you. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, it says, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, how many of you like to have your, test, your faith tested? I got one. Two. All right. No, I got three. Because right. we know that trials come when our, when our faith is tested. But then in verse 4, he says, but let patience, everybody say patience. Patience. Have its perfect work. That you, that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. That's the promise. That's, so the fear of asking for patience, I, I just throw that out the window when I read these verses. Because I know God is perfecting me in loving you. Well, you know, babe, when you, pastor, when you, um, I can be babe. It's okay. Babe, 
It's Valentine's Day, right? Babe, when, when you kick out the opposite of patience, the impatience, you're kicking out the devil. You're kicking out his little foot in the door in, your, in you being perfected. You're kicking him out. And I don't think we realize that because we only see what we're giving up. Right. But what are we giving up? The right for the enemy to attack us. The right for the enemy to mess with us. Because I was in DMV one time and this man started almost a riot complaining about the impatience of what it was taking. They had to escort him and several others that were just in line just fine until he started talking and he riled everybody up so bad they had to escort several people out by armed guard. And it was like, wow, how his spirit was so agitated and angry and it led to all kinds of horrible emotions and inciting it around him. And I thought, Lord, thank you for trying to bring patience to me. I don't want to act like that. And that's what happens if you don't exercise patience and patience in loving somebody past their imperfections, knowing that God has patience with you, loving you past your imperfections. You know, I talk to people sometimes and they have all the excuses in the world why they are the way they are, but they don't for everybody else. Everybody else is wrong and no excuses, toe the line. But when they comes to their stuff, they have all the excuses in the world. They're not looking in the mirror. And it's like, we need to have grace and patience for one another. That's love. You know, because when we, when we ask for God to give us patience, we're being perfected. We're being made complete in him. And that's where we want to be. In God's kingdom, we need to look at the promises of God and not at the negatives. Amen. We need to focus on the good things of God and not on, you know, because this is the patience comes with a promise, perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. And that's a powerful promise. Amen. You know, it's like this. If I'm patient with people, if I'm patient with people, I don't have to worry about dishonoring others, about being self-seeking, about being easily angered if I'm patient. So if I focus on what love is, those, I just gave you seven things, what love is, I can begin to eliminate what it's not. See, but if I focus on what it's not, then I'm focused on just not being that way. But when I focus on what love is, those what it's not begin to die off in me. That, you know, seek first, um, there, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto us, Matthew 6, 33. And in James 4, 7, it says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So when I, when I submit to God, when I submitted my life to God, our marriage was toast. I mean, we'd been at it for six or seven years, and it was bad. But when I submitted my life to God, I submitted wholly to the Lord and I began reading, I began praying, I began reading word, praying, worshiping, fo- uh, fellowshipping in the body of Christ, joining together. But I had to stay submitted to God. But when I started submitting to God, I stopped thinking about how to resist the devil. I just focused, I took all my focus. Because, you know, when I was younger and I smoked and I drank and 
foul mouth and everything. I mean, when I was doing those things and I was wanting to quit, I would focus, Johanna, on quitting those things. I would focus on stopping smoking, you know. I'd focus on not drinking. I'd focus on those things. But when I came to the Lord, I stopped focusing on them things and he took it away. I started focusing, put all my attention on Jesus, putting all my hope in the Lord, and he began working in me and he took those things away. You got some? You, you don't have to stand because I am. <laughs> Your legs fall asleep. But that's the thing. You submit to God, you resist the devil, and he flees. But you resist because you're submitted. You're not looking at, and it's the same thing when it comes to love. It's got seven things that we, we need to do, but eight things that we need not to do. And I find that if I can focus on the things to do, the things not to do die. They just, they just go away. They take a diet. You know, it's kind of like when you, when you fast, you know, you're, um, when you're fasting, because you have your body, your soul, and your spirit. Your spirit man is what gets born again. And when your spirit man got born again, then it came alive, you know, your body over here began to resist. Your body's like, what? We're not doing that anymore? Are you kidding me? We're not going to drink anymore? We're not going to smoke anymore? Oh my gosh. You know, no, we're not, you know. And then, then your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, it doesn't know who to listen to. Do I listen to my body or do I listen to my spirit? And that's where our battle comes in. That's where the war comes in, the, between the flesh and the spirit. So we start um, getting filled with the spirit. We get filled with the spirit. We start walking in the spirit, and we start fasting. And when I start fasting, I'm, I'm shutting my body down. I'm, I'm choking it out. It's like I put it in a chokehold, shut up. I'm not going to listen to you anymore. And that's what we need to do sometimes. We need to put that body in a chokehold and, and, and not listen. And so it, when we do that, when we're fasting and we're praying and we're seeking the Lord, when we're submitting our lives to God, we're putting our body in a chokehold to, to die to our flesh so that we're alive in our spirit, so that we walk in the spirit so we don't fulfill the lust of our flesh. That's what God is calling us to. And as we do that, it's amazing what happens in our lives. Well, the enemy has a handle on that. See, he knows what our flesh speaks to us. He knows that our flesh likes comfort and indulgence and even sin. Because sin can be fun for a moment. Just for a moment. Just for a moment. It can be um, exciting and fun, but um, not when you belong to the Lord. But when your heart belongs to the Lord, it's, it's a guilt trip. But, you know, he knows the pulls of the flesh. You know, and, and as we become more submitted to God yeah. and his way of doing things, the things of the world, the devil, will flee from you. They'll flee from you, amen? And you start being what? You start being more kind, amen? It, it opens up the floodgates to the fruit of the Spirit to be alive with you, and it starts flowing through us, and what love is moves in us in a powerful way. What love is moves with us, in us. But when you focus on the words, love is, everything changes. Everything changes. Everybody say, love is. Love is. Because when we focus on what love is, we stop being self-seeking. We stop being easily angered. We stop keeping record of wrongs. We stop delighting in evil but we've just got to put our focus on what love really is and walking in it. How do we do that though? You know, focusing on loving others as you would yourself. 
you know, that's where we were talking, and I said, where the Lord has really helped me to love others is I felt pain. I felt hurt. I felt fear. Fear of not measuring up. Fear of not being accepted. Not living up to people's expectations. Not being good enough. And the enemy just plummets you with emotions that are negative. And so, I mean, I remember going through 10 years of deep depression and the enemy just really had me. And, you know, when you go through those things and you go through the emotions and you have dreams, you have desires, it's because I have flesh body and I have a heart, I have emotions. And all I have to do is remember, so do you. All I have to remember is that you can cry and you can be wounded and your hopes or your dreams be dashed. You want things. And that helps me to remember that we're flesh and blood, all of us. And if we treat each other and love each other the way the Lord has told us to love each other as you do yourself, then you're going to remember before you start treating other people badly or saying hurtful things or judging them that they have a heart, they have tears, they have dreams, just like you. Amen. So focusing on others as we would ourselves, doing what is right. Now, if it was easy, we would all do it. This is why we need Jesus. This is why we need the Holy Spirit in us. Amen? To fill us with the Spirit of God so that we can love effectively and create a different environment for those around us. Now, when I was younger and I really, you know, I've loved Alonda since I met her. The day when I met her on my 18th birthday. In two, three weeks, we're going to celebrate 40 years of marriage. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> But as I begin to walk with the Lord, I, I would tell Delanda, I'd say, I'm praying that God would help me to love you. And she'd get offended at me. She'd be like, aren't I easy to love? No, I said, am I that hard to love? <laughs> <laughs> and no, you're not that hard to love. You're very easy to love. But it was hard for me to love the way God wanted me to love you because it was outside the border of who I am and who I was. So I had to ask the Lord to fill me with his love so that our marriage would grow and it would be stronger, that I would be able to love her the way that God would want me to and um, that it would be effective, amen, and that our environment would change, that our environment would get better. And, um, you know, I just know this. Love covers all of our junk. And so as the love of God has grown in our marriage, it's covered up a lot of the junk of our past, of things. Because Lana tells me things I said and did that God erased from my mind. And um, I'm like, I would never do that. You know, she went to a conference one time. And she came back from this conference. And I'm like, she sits down. I said, okay, tell me about the conference. She goes, well, the Lord healed me of, of a lot of things. I said, what things? She goes, well, just wounds that I've had. I go, what wounds? And she goes, well, things that you've done to me. And I started crying. 
And I just started repenting because my wife had to go to a conference to get healed of me. It broke my heart. I had to change. So did I. In the midst of it, you have to learn that people around you are different and that everybody sees things differently. And they're not going to always talk the flowery talk that you want them to. And they're not always going to love you the way you want them to. But that doesn't mean that that it's not love. Just because it doesn't look and sound the way you want it to doesn't mean that it's not love. It's still love. It's just different. And I had to learn to accept Ron's love the way he wanted to show it, the way he could show it as being my ultimate love and let the Lord have the rest. And a lot of times um, that was very hard and you have to forgive and you have to let go and you have to keep going. But the Lord, I believe, sometimes just made us different and put us together because he knew that he would perfect his love through us and that one day we wouldn't want to kick each other under the table. I haven't kicked you once. <laughs> I used to kick him under the table and he'd right in front of everybody. He'd go, why'd you kick me? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I do that? So as everybody's attention was off me, I would kick him again. <laughs> I didn't like being kicked under the table. <laughs> <laughs> he would call me out on it. I'm like, oh, I really don't like you right now. But, um, you know, there's, there's patience and tolerances and forgiveness and never lose hope never lose hope and go to God. You know, God loves me perfectly, exactly the way I want him to. Absolutely perfectly. He never lets me down. Even when he talks to me, he talks to me the way I want him to. So I went to him for that ooey gooey that I want, you know, I, I went to him for that, that love that I wanted to hear the way I wanted to hear it. And I'm not very ooey gooey, I guess. No, <laughs> but I've learned to love it. Amen. <laughs> you know, um, that's as far as I'm, I got. Love is patient. If we can work on that, I believe that everything else will just come into place in our relationships. Love is patient. How I, um, Ron was speaking to CORE, a young adults ministry that we had here years ago. And I have never forgot that message. And he talked about what, when somebody comes up to you and they're just spewing ugliness, let's put it that way. He said, look past them and see what is here. What's here behind them pushing that attitude. And that's when I realized that, you know, the enemy is always trying to get a foothold on somebody's mouth, on somebody's emotions. And you, as a Christian, do not have to receive it. That's not what I would ever say. You don't have to receive that. I tell my women's board, when they come at you like that, you just throw your hands up and say, you know, I don't receive that because that's not me. I said, but. If it is you, even if they're being wrong in the way they're presenting it to you, then you repent and you take the humility road and, and, and go on. I said, but if it's not you and you don't own it, don't own that woundedness. That's part of loving one another. That's part of giving your heart to the Lord and trusting God with your heart 
it's not necessarily that you trust people with their heart because people will always fail you. Not always, but people will. They're not perfect. Neither are you. But if you trust God with your heart, then he'll protect it by using certain things to help you and teach you that there is an enemy force behind somebody. And all you have to do is look back. And you know what? You know what the enemy hates more than anything? Love. He cannot handle standing in the presence of pure love. He has to flee. He just can't stand it. And when you activate the love of Jesus in you instead of revenge and attitude, he has to flee. And then you don't have any ugliness. It's just covered in the blood. It's covered in love. And restoration comes. And you've birthed his love in you by walking it out. Amen. And it's so important that we have grace with one another because we are all different. We are all so different. And the beauty of it all is, is that we're all different. Amen. I love the differences in people. Amen. And God created all the differences. Who am I to put down God's creation? Who am I to judge God's creation? Amen. We are all different for a reason. And it's beautiful. Amen. Amen. You know, Isaiah 61, he says, he sent me to comfort the brokenhearted or heal the brokenhearted in the King James. And in Psalms 34, verse 18, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. He is near. And maybe you just felt unloved, broken, and you're in need of the love of God today. Well, I know that he's here. I know that his presence is here. His spirit is here. I am so assured of that because the word says, wherever two or more are gathered together in his name, there he shall be. So he's here today to, to heal us and to give us strength. Well, we bow our heads for a minute and close our eyes. Let's just make this a private time with the Lord. And Father, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would just fill each one of us. That you fill us, Lord, with an overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Hallelujah. Let it just rain down on us today, God, that, Lord, today would be a day of comfort for the brokenhearted. That, Lord, that you heal the brokenhearted today. That, Father God, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would come and you'd break off those old, the old things today. And maybe you're saying, Pastor, I, I need that today. I need that comforter to come to me. Or maybe you just need to learn how to really love. And you want to make some changes in your life to walk in that love of God today. If that's you, just wave at me right now. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. Praise God. Father, we thank you today. I pray, Father God, for that never-ending, reckless abandonment of your love to fill every person here today. That, Lord, that we'd be slow to speak so that we can walk in the love of God. That, Lord, that we not allow our hearts to be filled with the ugliness of the enemy. Lord, we not allow the enemy to camp out 
in our lives, God, because of wounds of our past. But I pray today, God, that you set us free from those wounds. And Lord, that we walk in victory today. And Father, we love you so much and we thank you for what you're doing right now in our lives. And Lord, I pray that patience would come alive inside of each one of us. And that Lord, we'd love with a patient heart, God, a patient heart, because you've declared love is patient. And so Father, I pray that you strengthen each one of us today. That Lord, that you would just bless every person here today with your love. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen.